to verse number 11 for just a few moments. We're going to back up for just a little while and look at a couple of portions of Scripture this evening that I pray will be a help to you. We're studying the life of Peter. Peter, as you go and you study his life, Peter stood out. Uh, Peter was not one who blended in. Peter was not one who went along with the flow of everything that was going on. Peter was one who always had an opinion. Peter was one who always wanted to do more. Peter was one who always very simply was just out in the front and was very boisterous. He stood out. He was one who wanted to make a difference and he let people know. He let the Lord know. And as you come to this portion of Scripture, this is a a really strong uh, moment in the life of Peter because this is really a moment where everything kickstarts. Notice what the Bible says, verse number 11, we'll back up. The Bible says, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, you're familiar with this portion of scripture. Peter and the disciples have been on the water. They're they're toiling all night. They're not catching anything. If you can imagine a fisherman toiling all night, that's frustrating if you do not catch any fish. And as you come back to shore, now you're encountering a teacher who is standing on the shore, who is teaching. And not only is that teacher going to teach where you're coming to dock, but now he's going to turn to you and say, hey, I need to use your ship. I need to use your boat, and could you launch out just a little while? And as he's listening to the teacher, now the teacher's going to turn to him and say, hey, I want you to do something now. I want you to throw your nets. Now, Peter was one who, if there was a fisherman among all fishermen, this was Peter. He knew this trade. He knew everything about it. And can you imagine for just a moment... Everything that he is going through, he's probably discouraged and beat down because he didn't catch anything, being a master fisherman. And he comes to shore, and now he is being told to do this. And you come to verse number 11, and the Bible says, They forsook all and followed him. Now, I don't know about you, but in our day and age in which we are living, when you go and you read this portion of Scripture here and you think on what Peter is experiencing, Peter is experiencing the greatest catch he has ever seen in his entire time as a fisherman. Now, to put this into uh, the equivalent for just a few moments so you can understand what Peter is uh, uh, facing here, you've been working on a job for, let's just say, 20 years. You've been working with the same company. And you're receiving a, a decent salary, but you know it's nothing to necessarily write home about. But you walk in one day, and one of the, the big wigs is sitting in your office and very simply comes to you and says, hey, I want you to take over my CEO position and you'll be making over a million dollars a year. Okay? Greatest catch he's ever seen. And on this day, he decides he's going to forsake all of that and follow after the Lord. And I don't know about you, but many of us, if we are being realistic this afternoon and we, we are sitting in our office and a CEO comes to us and says, hey, you're going to make... Over a million dollars a year, you take this position. I don't think we'd be forsaking that job. Matter of fact, we'd probably say, you know what? How does it affect our hours? And they'd say, well, you'll have off on some Sundays, and you'll be putting in a lot of hours, but you will be filthy rich. I'd imagine many of us, if we're not careful in in the, the day and age in which we are living in, we wouldn't even consider saying no because we heard the million dollars. We wouldn't even consider, well, what about church? What about the ministries I'm serving in? What about this? What about that? We wouldn't even consider that because we heard a million dollars. But notice in verse number 11 that he says this. The Bible says when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. It wasn't even a thought. It wasn't even something that wasn't even consideration. They just did this. Notice with me, verse number 1, the Bible says this, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, 
Now, this is an amazing thing as you approach this portion of Scripture. Jesus' ministry was made up, many times we look at the, the life of Christ and we only acknowledge the miracles of Christ. But Jesus' ministry was teaching the Word of God. And you see those miracles, and we place an emphasis on some of those miracles, but Jesus wanted to teach people the Word of God. And I want you to notice here, as he has, he has been teaching, his, his fame, if you would, his uh, being known has really grown. And now people are following after him. The Bible says right here in verse number 1, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were fishing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ships. And now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the nets. And when they had this done, they entered and then closed a great multitude of fishes in their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they came or that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. And Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And they had, all, they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all, and followed after him. You think about this for just a few moments. One of the greatest battles that Christians face is the battle within. The battle within concerning what we want to do and what the Lord wants us to do. We struggle with this on a daily basis. We struggle with this in many moments of our lives. And as you think about this understanding in Peter's life, Peter is out on the water, he's fishing, and he's not catching anything. And you begin to imagine with me for just a moment, in many of our lives, the unknown, we like things to be in our own control. Many times, whenever it takes a step of faith, oftentimes we don't like to take that step of faith is because we don't like to face the unknown. We don't like to, to say yes to something that we don't know we're saying yes to. We don't like to go somewhere that we don't know where we're going. You know, if someone says, hey, you want to go on a trip with me? What's your next question? Well, where are we going? Uh, if someone says, hey, you want to help me with this task? Your next question is, well, what am I helping you with? And so when it takes a step of faith sometimes, whenever the Lord is leading us to do something, uh, that step of faith is hard because we don't know what the unknown is. We don't like that. You know, one of the things that I've come to realize is that silent preparation is the hardest thing to submit to. Silent preparation is the hardest thing to submit to because you don't, you're, you're praying, you're seeking the Lord. But when he's silent in those seasons, you're saying, Lord, what are you doing? And many times we come back to those seasons later on after we've come through and we see that the Lord wasn't silent. He was just preparing us. Silent preparation, though, it's hard to submit to. We like to be heard and we like to be known what we're doing and, and we, we struggle with that. And here in this portion of scripture, we come to Peter and the disciples as they're out on the water. And in verse number 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. Now, there's a message right then and there of itself. These people were pressing to hear the word of God. You know, we're living in a world today, and especially in America, maybe not so much in third world countries, but in America, there is no longer a pressing to hear the word of God. There's more now of a seeking, how can I get away from hearing the word of God? 
And we don't want the Word of God anymore. We don't want to hear exactly what the Word of God has to say because it interferes with our schedules. It interferes with what we want to do and what we want to believe and how we want to live our lives. And we don't want that any longer. But these people had found themselves wanting to know what Jesus had to say. Now, it doesn't say here that they just wanted to hear Jesus and what he had to say. No, notice what it says. As the people pressed upon him to what? Hear the word of God. They wanted to hear the word of God. My mind goes back to the the book of Nehemiah when the people, again, are sitting there waiting on the physical work to be done. And they say, hey, the, the spiritual work, Ezra the scribe is coming on the scene. And they say very simply, that's fine. Just make sure he brings the word. Make sure he brings the book. We don't, we're living in a day and age where there's no longer a yearning for the truth of God's Word. One of the hardest things being a preacher in 2022 is seeing that there's so much going on. You know, technology has advanced so much. And as technology advances, it's as though oftentimes that there is a forsaking of this right here. We consume ourselves. The moment we wake up, we pick up our cell phones and our tablets instead of picking up the Bible. As we go through our our days, we're finding ourselves Googling this and playing this and doing this instead of just getting in the Bible. As you come to the house of God, there there are many times when we enter into the doors of the church and we're just putting a time frame. Hey, we're here from 11 to 12, but as soon as 12 gets, we're disconnected all of a sudden. These individuals were pressing because they wanted to hear the word of God. And can imagine with me for just a moment, this was an inconvenience for Peter. Now, let me pause for this moment. Sometimes when it comes to our lives and living for the Lord and doing a work for the Lord, it's not always going to be on our terms. It's not always going to be convenient. And it's amazing here in verse number 11, the truth that is found, they forsook all and followed him. Now, Peter, this couldn't be the worst timing. Let me put it in a, again. Uh, something that you can really grasp for me for just a moment. You've just come home from a long work day. Let's just say you're a salesperson and your livelihood is dependent upon selling products. And you didn't sell one product. You got seven doors slammed on your face. You got pulled over by a police officer on your way home because you were speeding and wasn't paying attention. And you walk through the doors and all of a sudden you walk in and now all of a sudden there's a, there's a gathering in your living room. A surprise gathering just for you. You're not happy. You don't want this gathering here. Why? You just had one of the worst days you could possibly have. An inconvenient time. Thanks for the thought, but get out. That's what you're wanting to say. Uh, Not not the, the best timing. Peter has just come out from fishing all night. And Jesus says, launch out. Let down your net. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 5. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now in this portion of Scripture, we're going to look at four things here in just a moment. But I want you to understand about Peter. Peter is beaten down here. No doubt he's discouraged. He's busy. He's ready just to get in for the day. You can find, imagining all of what he's been through, he's probably tired. And Jesus says, launch out. Launch out. You know, and as you read Luke chapter number 5, you come to realize that before the Lord can ever truly use you, He checks your priorities. 
How many times have we been sitting in a church service and as the preacher gives the invitation or you're at a revival meeting or a missions conference and man, you're stirred. The Lord has really been speaking to you and the preacher asks the question, hey, how many of you desire with heads bowed and eyes closed that the Lord would really use your life and all the hands go up? And the Lord sees those hands and all of a sudden the very next thing the Lord's going to do is he's going to check your priorities. Do you mean it? Do you mean what you really are saying here? Notice with me, if you would, four things that we find in this passage of Scripture. Number one, Peter's command. Peter's command. In verse number four, we see that the Bible says, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Two things that you see. The first one is that he says, Launch out into the deep. This is, again, no easy thing. As you begin to think about this, this is something where now Peter is being told to do something that he's done all night. And uh, I was having this conversation a couple of months ago. I think it was one of the work days, and we were talking about going and working on work days. And, and so the, the subject had come up of, of whenever you get tired. And I said, the moment I sit down is the moment that I'm done. If I keep moving, I'm good. But the moment I take a break, I'm toast. If I, if I, if I go home, as a matter of fact, any of you ever been working all day and you get home and you sit down on the couch, even though you know you have to get a shower and you still need to eat, but you're just sitting there and you're like, it ain't happening. And you sit there and you're nasty and you're uncomfortable, but you just, you're not moving. It's just been a long day. I imagine Peter here, as he hears those words, he's thinking, I, I, now I've got to tap back into that energy. I've got to get back into the mindset of work here. I, I've got to really think through this. And as he is being told to do all this, he is thinking probably, man, I'm tired. I'm busy. This is an inconvenience. But he says in verse number 5, Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. In this portion of Scripture, verse number 4, he says, Launch out into the deep. As you imagine for just a few moments, as we begin to think about how discouraging those times whenever you catch nothing can be, think about the times whenever you've been out soul winning and you didn't lead anyone to the Lord. Think about the, those times whenever, as you, if, for those of you who've preached before, as you have preached a message and you left the house of God that morning or that evening, you were thinking, Man, that was a dud. Think about the times whenever you were teaching in Sunday school class or in a ministry and you left and you were thinking, well, I, I didn't do a very good job communicating that lesson. Now think about those times whenever you had had conversation after conversation after conversation trying to disciple someone and it was as though they just weren't getting it. That discouragement sets in as you begin to think about those things, the, the conferences that have been planned, and you begin to think about, man, was it, was it something that the Lord really used, and the activities that were planned, and nobody showed up, and things like that, that you have done before, and discouragement may set in. But then someone comes up to you and says, hey, when are we holding another activity? And you're thinking, I don't want to hold another activity after the last one I just had. Someone comes up to you and says, hey, are you going to be out soul winning, and what? You, you, you process through your mind. You know what? I don't know that I want to go back out for soul winning. It was, it wasn't a good experience last time. You, you have a, a the, the the time that you get done preaching, and you, you think, man, I don't know that I want to get back into the pulpit. Discouraging times. But Peter is standing here, and as he is standing here, the Lord says, "Launch out into the deep." Now, something to note here is that. Peter was probably a little bit confused as to what's going on right now, and he's quickly learning to be a hearer and a doer. Not just a hearer, but a hearer and a doer. We find that to be true because in verse number 5, he says this, Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. 
But in, in this portion of Scripture, we come to realize that in, in Peter's life and in, in really the ministry of Christ, the ministry of Christ, whenever you go and you study, he was one who was always communicating, but he was making sure that his hearers comprehended what he was saying. Now, that's an important thing to understand. Communication and comprehension go hand in hand. You ever been explaining something on the job and you were explaining it to uh, your workers and you said, are you understanding what I'm saying? Are you getting it? It needs to be done this way. Jesus' ministry was one of communication and comprehension. And, and Peter is learning this rather quickly as he says, launch out into the deep. And here's why he is learning this rather quickly. Everyone knows that in those times, whenever you were a fisherman, and really as you begin to study it, that launching out into the deep during the daytime was not what you would do. Peter was a master fisherman. He knew all of the trade. He knew everything that you were supposed to do. And so everything that Jesus was telling him to do went against everything he had been taught and everything that he was teaching others. It didn't, it didn't add up. It didn't make sense. But Jesus is saying, launch out into the deep. And so Peter is sitting there, and as he is sitting there imagining all this, now he is going to do this. And it says right here in verse number 4, and let down your nets for a drought. I begin to think about this whenever this statement is uttered here in verse number 4. As I begin to think about this, I think about the, the statement that is found, was found, I don't know that it is right now in the, the teen room, but by William Carey. Many of you have heard this. Many of you have probably got it written in your Bibles. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. And as you imagine for just a few moments, launching out into the deep and letting down your nets for a drought. As he says, let down... There's an amazing thing that Peter is about to experience. And as I began to read Luke chapter number 5, this verse specifically, before we get into the next, next portion of the scripture, the same God that was telling Peter to launch out and let down is the same God that is tonight looking at Gateway Baptist Church and other churches across this nation, and he is looking at those churches and those individuals, he's saying this, who's going to launch out and let out for me? Who's going to launch out? Who's going, to, who's going to launch out and let down the nets and see what I can do in your life? Who's going to launch out? And you see in this verse right here that this is a verse where Peter's faith is now being tested. And a launching out and a letting down is a faith moment in all of our lives because the Lord is going to say, hey, if you will just launch out and you will let down those nets, watch what I will do. And in verse number 5, he says this. He says, And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now again, this is a moment here where Peter is thinking, Man, I don't know what the unknown is. I don't like not knowing what's about to take place. You see, Jesus wasn't oblivious to everything that Peter had experienced that night. Matter of fact, Peter, as he is toiling, the Lord knows what Peter is doing. And as he comes back onto the shore, Jesus knows everything that he's faced. Jesus knows everything that he's facing and everything that he's done and all the work and all the energy that has gone into it. And the Lord stops him and says, launch out. Let down your net. You see, serving the Lord, though we oftentimes want it to be the easy life, is no easy life. There are times whenever you want to say, you know what, I... I've toiled. I'm going to get some rest. There, have been, there are going to be times whenever you're going to say, you know what, I've, I've worked and I've worked and I've worked and this is just an inconvenience. Peter says, nevertheless. You see, the same God that knew of everything that Peter was going through, 
All of the toiling through the night, all of the, the fishing through the night is the same God that knows everything that you're going through. It's the same God that knows those moments in your life when you're discouraged and those moments in your life when you say, I'm just too busy, those moments in your life when you say, I'm just too tired. And it's the same God that is saying, hey, that's no excuse for you still not to launch out and let down. And as you come to this verse right here and you see everything that is taking place, in Malachi, verse number 6 of chapter number 3, For I am the Lord, I change not. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. As you think about all of that and you think about all of the change that goes on in our lives, it is so comforting to know that while the circumstances of life may change and the problems of life may come and the toiling in the night may happen, that Jesus is still the same the very next morning. And even in the midst of those discouraging nights, as you lay your head down on your pillow and you say, hey, is toiling the next day and and going through and launching out the next day worth it? Can I share with you? It is. You never know what the Lord is going to do. And, I mean, the testimonies tonight, hearing about Brother Chris and them stopping in at a, a random moment and, and hearing Miss uh, Jenny and her story just uh, being led of the Lord to just talk to that individual. Before the service, I, I looked over at Brother Zach and, and Braxton and, and Brother Austin, and I said, hey, let's go move those beans. And they were thinking, before the service? And I was thinking, yeah, it doesn't probably matter. We could do it before the service or after service. It doesn't matter. But we chose to do it before the service just because. Can I share with you? I'm so thankful that we did because three young men stopped on in and said, hey, we just, we just saw y'all, figured we'd stop on in to help. And all of a sudden, a young man who's visited our church over on Corporate Drive says, hey, you guys changed location. And we were able to say, hey, you know what? We did change locations. And all of us shook the hands of those three young men and said, hey, we'd love to have you here. Come and visit with us. You never know what the Lord is going to do. You say, ah, what do you mean? Are you saying I need to launch out exactly what I'm saying? Get out of the comfort zone. Stop standing in the boat and saying, hey, I'm not going to launch out and say, Lord, whatever it is that you have for me, I'll do. It was George Mueller that said this, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. As you see, it was also an individual by the name of D.L. Moody that says, our faith must be tested for God builds no ship but the ones he sends to sea. Guess who the ships are? Us. We, we say, oh, I want the Lord to use me. Hey, have you allowed the Lord to build your ship? What kind of wood have you allowed the Lord to put on your ship? Wood that's going to stand? Or have you been giving yourself to the things of this world and all of a sudden you're building a ship or you're allowing a ship to be built that's going to sink? Catch this now. D.L. Moody said, Our faith must be tested for God builds no ships but the ones He sends to sea. We look at the, the Christians in history that have been used mightily of God and we say, Man, I aspire to be just like that. Can I share with you, those individuals got a hold of something that changed their life. And they allowed the Word of God to change their life and that Word pushed them out into the community and out into the world and they said, I want to make the world something that is much greater, and it's only going to happen by the life of Christ making impact. You know what? I was talking to Brother John, and I was talking to Brother Zach, and I made this this statement in passing, but could you imagine what Gateway Baptist Church could do if we flipped Clarksville, Tennessee upside down? What could God do? If some Christians said, you know what? In the summer of 2022, I'm devoted to the Lord. I'm going to give all that God wants of me, and I'm going to step out by faith. You see... 
throughout Scripture. The Lord, as you read and you read the miracles in, 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 that He operates under, and you think about all the Lord does, He only operates when it comes to those things, and He intervenes when it's humanly impossible. We say, that can't be done. It's only something God could do. It's as though the Lord, as He hears that, He smiles and says, I like operating in the impossible. I like doing something that only I can do. I remember as I, I got that phone call and, and all of a sudden we were in the process of now looking at this piece of property. And I remember coming before the church and saying, hey, we don't know anything about this, but we're just going to you know, see. And then on the very next service we came in and we said, hey, this is the details. Uh, let's vote. If we're going to move forward with this, we'll move forward with it in faith. If not, we'll close the door and... You know, we'll, we'll say no, but let's just trust the Lord. Let's not close any doors that the Lord isn't closing himself. And so we voted to move forward as a church. Can I share with you that in all matters of, of what is humanly comprehending in our own minds and what we can fathom, what we can comprehend, we probably sat back and said, this is something only God could do. I know that's what I was saying. I mean, whenever I knew when we were talking to the gentleman, he said, hey, it's probably going to go for somewhere between three hundred and fifty to four hundred and fifty thousand. I was thinking, and you've got to have ten percent down. And you've got to have all of the money. You gotta, I was thinking, this is only something God could do. Over eighty thousand dollars in two weeks. And about sixty thousand of that was given through the local church. Only something God could do. Only something God can do. Can I share with you in that moment, as I read this passage of Scripture, in that moment, I sit back and I'm in awe because I, I, I look and I see a church that said, you know what? It's time to launch out. It's time to let down some nets. As you think about what the Lord is doing, you think about what He's done in your own life, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where, the, where man's power ends. And Peter here is experiencing that exact moment. Peter here is a master fisherman and he's being told to launch back out after he caught nothing. After he experienced a night that he doesn't even want to look back on. The Lord is saying, launch out and let down your nets. I imagine Peter, I'm one, again, I'm, I'm a visual person when I read, and I imagine Peter answering, and I imagine him with a sigh. We have toiled all night. And have taken nothing, nevertheless, at thy word. I imagine it's very beat down sounding. Okay. Fast forward, verse number six, the Bible says this. When they had done this, or this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net break. Notice with me, number two, Peter's catch. The Bible says, and their net break. You see, one of the things that Peter begins to reveal is the same struggle that we uh, find ourselves, and that is the obedience process. How long does it take you where the Lord is working in your life for you to finally say, yes, Lord? How long in your own personal life does it take for the Lord to, to get your attention before you finally surrender and say, okay, Lord, this is what you want? At, at thy word, Lord. Lord, you're wanting me to do this, I'll do it. Lord, you're calling me to do this, I'll do it. Lord, whatever it is that you have for me, finally I will do it. 
As you see this right here, he says, nevertheless, in verse number 5, he lets down, and then all of a sudden the Bible says they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their nets break. Now, two words I want you to notice with me here. The first word is this, the word break. Their net break, that means that it began to tear, it began to rip, and that's what is taking place in this net. The next word that I want you to see here as you continue reading is that the Bible says in verse number 7, And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help, and they became and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Now, the word sink there, it means going under. It means that it's not afloat. And something that's so important in this portion of Scripture to notice is in verse number 7, the Bible says, And they beckoned unto their partners. Now, for just a moment, I want you to catch this. One of the things that many times in the local church and in Christians' lives that we struggle with is the pride of asking for other people's help, of getting other Christians involved, for accomplishing more if we team together. Now, in our church here, there are many times that you might face this where the Lord is wanting you to do something and you're needing to ask some questions or you're wanting to do something here at Gateway Baptist Church and your pride won't let you ask for the help. I want you to catch this for just a moment. In verse number 7, the Bible says this, They beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them, and they became and filled both ships so that they began to sink. Now, imagine how many fish they would have lost if they didn't beckon. Now, here's what I want to ask. How many fish are we missing out on out in this community because we won't simply just ask? Hey, you want to go soul winning with me? I'm not going to go by myself, but I don't have a partner, but I'm not going to ask someone. So how many people are we letting slip through our hands? How many people, how many opportunities are we letting slip through the doors of Gateway Baptist Church? As you think about all that the Lord wants to do, one of the things that we battle on a daily basis is the selfishness. Now, there's much more that could be said about this subject of, of doing things together. You know, there, there's clown groups out there, the Together for the Gospel group. I'm not all for that. I don't think that we can be serving the Lord together if we disagree on the major doctrines of the Bible. I get that. But churches of like faith can get together. Hey, hey, Christians who might not have the same personality, but they have the same goal, which is to see people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, they can get together. But if we're not careful, we, we, we get tunnel vision. We say, oh, I'll only do it with this person or this person. Why? Imagine how many fish are sliding right past us because we're not willing to ask others to get involved. And I wonder here, as you look at this verse right here, and they beckoned unto their the catch here is a great catch. Notice with me, number three, we see this, Peter's cry. The Bible says in verse number eight, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He goes on to say, For he was astonished and all that were with him at the drought of fishes which had taken. So was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Notice with me, number one, he fell down. And in the midst of him falling down, he says this, he says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. As he falls down, he is revealing in this moment right here a moment of humility. He is acknowledging that he has missed an opportunity to fully and, and, and totally see all that God wanted to do by fully having the faith that God was going to accomplish it. The Bible says in 1 John 
chapter number 1, verses 8 and 9, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. The truth of the matter is, we are living in a day and age where humility is no longer seen in Christians. We're too prideful to admit it. We're too prideful to admit whenever we are wrong. We're too prideful to admit whenever we've done something that we shouldn't have done. We're too prideful to take the blame whenever it truly was our fault. A couple of, uh, this past Sunday, we were talking about uh, the the church and the, the local church and how whatever is preached behind this pulpit is ultimately a responsibility of mine to make sure that only the truth is being preached. And a couple of years ago, there was a preacher, a missionary who had stopped on in. And he began to berate some of the ladies in our church, telling them that they need to do this, and they need to do this, and they need to do this. And I told him after the service, I told him, I said, that was not your place, nor was it anything that we agree with. Some of the things that you were saying are not even biblically taught. Some of the things that you were saying was disrespectful. Now, say what you want, but I had to take the blame, and so the very next service, some of you may remember that, I had to come before the church and say, that's on me. I didn't know the gentleman, didn't know anything like that. That's on me. Now, some of you ladies might not remember. I can, I can tell you the things that he said if you, want, if you want any of the advice. That's fine. Come and see me afterwards. But you quickly remember. You say, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. But I, that's, that's on me. And how many times in our own lives do we let humility be slipped under the rug because we're too prideful to admit those things? Peter says right here, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. How many times have we sat in the services and the Lord is working on us, but we say, no, Lord, that's not for me, that's for them. We always have someone else in mind, right? Number four, we see this, Peter's call, and we're done. Verse number 11, they forsook all, and they followed him. As you begin to think about this in your own personal life, I wonder if the Lord has been dealing with you. The Lord, for a while, has been dealing with you to forsake and to follow. You see, we're living in a, in a day and age where many Christians are living a life that is close enough Christianity. We're close enough to following. We will follow, but only up to this point. We will do, but only up to this. We will forsake, but only so much. And I wonder if the Lord has been dealing with you for some time and He's been dealing with you on this subject of very simply just forsaking all and following Him. If you were to go and you were to talk to some of the the colleges around and even some of the pastors who do local training in their churches, they would tell you that they would have a concern because they would say or they would question if God is still calling young people to the mission field. And the truth of the matter is this. God is still calling. We're not responding. And you see, God is still calling us to go and reach our mission field here in Clarksville. The question is this. Are we going to respond? We're going to go. You see, the truth of the matter is this. Every single one of us not only has a mission field in Clarksville in this local church, but we have our own mission fields as well. You see, some of you work a job. What a mission field. Some of you go to the same places. What a mission field. I went and got a haircut today. Obviously, I guess I didn't get all of it done. Some of y'all were pointing out that I look like alfalfa up here. I'll have to touch that up later. That's a mission field. I walked in, sat down, and she said, hey, I'm five years sober. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. That's awesome. 
She wants to get plugged into our ministry here whenever we, we start up the, the, the addictions program and all of the, the, the recovery program and all of that. She says, hey, I want to get plugged into that. She's working on Sundays right now, but she's trying to swap her schedule around to come and visit with us and all that. And when she said, hey, I'm five years sober, I said, praise Jesus. She said, hey, I ain't heard that. I've heard good job, but I haven't heard praise Jesus. Well, here's the truth of the matter. is nothing she's done. It's only by the help of the Lord. You know, we can't accomplish those things. It's only by the grace of God. And you think back in your own life, the times whenever the Lord was dealing with you and doing certain things and moving with you in the process of silent preparation. It's hard to submit to. And I wonder tonight if the Lord has been silently preparing you. The Lord has been saying and dealing with you and saying, launch out. And you're saying, what, what am I launching out to? What am, I, what am I letting my nets down for? And he's very simply just saying this. The first step is surrendering all. Have you been to the altar and said, Lord, I surrender all. Lord, I, whatever it is that you have for me, Lord, I'm, I'm giving it to you tonight. I was saved July 15, 2009. Brother John and I were talking about this, as a matter of fact, yesterday. As soon as I got saved, I played basketball. I loved playing basketball. Grew up playing basketball. My whole life was given to basketball. And I remember there were times I played AAU basketball and travel basketball, and I went to camps and this and that. And I remember all of that. And I remember the struggle of saying, you know what, am I going to try to continue playing basketball or am I going to do this or that? And January of the following year, the Lord began to deal with me on surrendering my life to preach. Now, earlier than that, probably really late summer, the Lord began to impress upon my heart just to surrender. And I remember wrestling that one saying, what am I surrendering to? That's unknown. What, what am I doing? And, and so I remember sitting there and going to the altar and saying, Lord, I don't know exactly what all this means, but Lord, I'm surrendering all. January comes around the following year, and I remember being so terrified and I talking to my father-in-law, who was my pastor at the time, and saying, I think the Lord's calling me to preach, but I really don't know how, I don't, I don't know what that means. And he just began to talk and counsel, and, and I knew. I prayed about it for some time, and I just knew that's what the Lord's will for my life was. And I don't know about you, but as soon as I surrendered my life to the Lord, and then he called me to preach, and I surrendered to preach, there was a peace like none other. Brother John, I'm imagining you experienced that same peace. Zach, some of you others who've been here and you surrender your life to the Lord's will, whatever it is. And see, the Lord's will is not only, it's not always for you to be called to full-time ministry, but have you surrendered? You see, some of you have surrendered and the Lord is using you in a mission field. And some of you have surrendered and you're wrestling with it because you still haven't forsook all and followed. Now, I look at Luke chapter number 5 and I say, man, look at, look at what the Lord did in Peter's life. Peter's going to go on to tell the Lord, Lord, I'll die for you. And then he's going to forsake the Lord's name and say, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. I don't know the man. He's going to deny the Lord. And then he's going to encounter that, that time when he speaks to the Lord and all of what's going through is, is mine. And I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd like to ask Peter, Peter, was it worth it? I mean, Peter, you had the biggest catch of your life. You were a master fisherman. You knew all of the trade and you forsook all of that and followed after the Lord. Was it worth it? Now, I'd imagine he'd stop me and he'd say this. I forsook fishing. 
I didn't get to experience that. But I got to walk with the Lord. And man, you you might get to read about those miracles that he did and some of the conversions and some of the things that you read about Jesus. Yeah, that's wonderful. But I got to walk with him daily. And I got to see all of everything up front. Man, I got to see the conversations that he had. I got to see the, the miracles of the, the feeding of the fire. I got to see all these things up front. Fishing, I loved it. I love being a fisherman and catching fish and all that. But I'll tell you what. Seeing souls saved, it's a different type of fishing. I imagine he'd look at me and he'd say, hey, all those things that I got to experience, the walking with the Lord, you can still do today. You can still experience all those miracles as the Lord works through you to reach souls. You can still walk with the Lord and experience all those things that I'm talking about as you share those stories and those passages of Scripture and you see tears coming down people's eyes as they finally realize that they're a sinner in need of the Savior that you're talking about. You can experience all of those things if you would just launch out and let down. Church, let me ask you this. Do you want to stand out? Do you want to stand out? If you want to stand out, it's time that you launch out. It's time that you let down. It's time that we go back to the last week's message and we see that Peter got out of the boat. What's it going to take for you to say, I forsake all and follow after the Lord? I don't know about you, but I want to stand out. I want to see what God could do in my life if I just said, Lord, I'm yours. Would you commit that to the Lord tonight? Stand out. Not for yourself, but stand out for Jesus. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, we thank for your goodness tonight. We thank for your grace. Lord, I pray that we would catch this, that we would understand that, Lord, we're not saved to sit on the sidelines and just watch other Christians work. We're not saved to sit on the sidelines and just talk about our salvation, but to share our salvation and to reach people with the gospel. To get plugged into the local church, to serve in ministries, to see lives changed because we're invested and we're forsaking all and following after. Lord, I thank you for your grace in my life. I thank you for your calling on my life. I thank you for those times, Lord, when you've gotten my attention and said, Josh, it's It's time to launch out again. It's time to let down again. Lord, forgive me for those times where I've not followed after and those times when I have failed in those matters. But Lord, may it not happen again. May we as a church, may we as a people say, Lord, I want to stand out. I want to follow after you. I pray that you would guide us. Deal with us. And we'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. 